clearly that stressed Comex because then they had to take measures to make it look like it has a lot more gold than it probably really does. Yeah. And the, for the May contract, which is not a, a traditional delivery month, it's not a, a, a so-called front month, um, over 10,000 contracts stood for delivery. And I've, I've never seen anything remotely close to that for a, for a non-front month contract. So um, if, if the inventory report, the gold inventory report for the COMEX is even close to being bona fide, it looks like there's entities out there that want to try and drain that gold. Hello there, my friends. Chris Mark is here with you for Arcadia Economics. And this week's silver and gold update with Dave Kranzler of Investment Research Dynamics. Real quick note before we get started, sponsored by Miles Franklin. So if you're in the market for gold, silver, we're getting some platinum. Dave, I really like platinum these days, by the way. Um, but if you need a price quote or just information on anything, uh, Miles Franklin has created Arcadia milesfranklin.com so anything you'd like to know send a message there and with that said Dave a pleasure as always to have you in here today I know you had a big tennis match yesterday so break it down how are you let's get an update tired man well at your age I mean you know you're in like an antique almost so you got Pretty much <laughs> Yeah, so I'll, I'm not I'll, ashamed of my of my elderly status. Well, I'll bet you gave uh, was doubles yesterday. You gave them a workout? No, it was singles. Okay, all right. Well, I'm glad. You know, doubles is like golf. It's really kind of just an activity. It's not really a sport. Yeah, it's kind of <laughs> like you got the beer in one hand, the racket in the other. Some guys do. <laughs> they play doubles. Well, I could imagine, and Dave, other things that I know people have been wondering, daydreaming about, because there's some wild stuff going on in the gold and silver markets. And maybe we could start with your post here, explaining how the COMEX has big problems. We saw a bunch of different headlines this week, which you covered in your article. And hopefully we could dig into a bit today. I thought you had some interesting points here. And perhaps- oh, Thank you. Lane. Dave, why does the COMEX have some big problems? Well, you wanted me to keep the answer short today. So, you know, people can just go read the blog post. Well, <laughs> that's the kind of in-depth analysis that you can only find on this show. All right there. Well, I will, I'll do a little prodding. I'll, I'll, maybe I'll just sit here and read the article. Looks like GLD is missing there. Um, and then you write, so, they're scared to death about something. Um, here, here's the thing. First of all, I just want to say Chris Powell, the treasurer of GATA, and the, the guy who's responsible for um, getting all of the articles trying to expose the truth about the precious metals market out to the public, was, was disappointed at how my article was written stylistically. Oh, yeah. Which I agree with him because stylistically i would have been horrified when i was an english major in college to, to read this blog post and be like but anyway you know it's just a blog post it's free content so um I, you know my goal is just to get some thought and analysis out there and and less emphasis on uh formal presentation so um at any rate i mean there's been 
And it kind of, there's been issues developing on the COMEX. And it's, it's hard to know like the exact details of it, but you can look at what I like to call footprints in the snow, right? Or, you know, you see something that looks, walks and quacks like a duck. So it's probably a duck. And, and there's, there's been a lot of little indicators that suggest that um, the COMEX is, is, doesn't have the amount of gold in its vaults that it, that it represents when it publishes, you know, the vault report, you know, the, the warehouse stock report. And I've even suspected that the open interest um, reports are, are messed around with to an extent. And um, that view was actually, um, it, it was, it proved to be true because I think it was 2012 maybe, Maybe 2010, JP Morgan was fined by the CFTC for stuffing trades, stuffing trades that belonged in its in the um, in the the swap dealer category in the uh, in the cot report, and stuffing them into the other reportables category, which is it's essentially institutional type pools of money, family offices, things like that, that wouldn't be considered money managers, which is, you know, the, uh, I guess it's the money manager category. If you're looking at the disaggregated COP report, so that, you know, they were fined a whopping $650,000. Now that, that's not even the cost of doing business for JPM. And I'm sure that didn't dissuade them from continuing their practice of, of, um, screwing around with the data that they report on the COMEX. And I've said for 15 years that if, so the banks just so to clarify, when you see data that comes from the COMEX, those are reports that are put together by the banks, right? And I've said since 2005 that if, if the data that's presented to the public by the COMEX banks is bona fide and and um, truthful, it's the only public reporting of any of the business lines that the banks engage in that's reported honestly and truthfully. So what are the odds of that being the case? Well, probably not too high, although- Right, so just to connect that to what's, what I, you know, I think is going on, many of us have also suspected for quite some time that the inventory that's reported on the COMEX isn't necessarily based on actual bars that are sitting in COMEX vaults. And there's never been an outside, just like the gold that the Federal Reserve allegedly, allegedly, allegedly safe keeps on behalf of the U.S. Treasury, AKA the, the U.S. public citizens, there hasn't been, an, there's not a, I haven't ever seen an outside independent audit of the COMEX vault reports. Now, if I'm a, I'm a big money manager trading, you know, tens of millions of dollars worth of COMEX contracts with the intent to take delivery of the gold. I would want to see an independent audit of that because, you know, by design, the, the global gold trading market has always been extraordinarily opaque. And that's why all we have to go by is, are the, the sort of tracks in the snow that you can see and, and see where they lead to. So, um, but you know, 
if they're leading to a cave somewhere in the wilderness, there's still a door on that cave that it makes it impossible to see into. But then there's been some other things that have, that have been going on, like the establishment of this pledged gold category, which HSBC jumped on immediately. And we find out a few months later that HSBC had impaled itself on its gold trading operations. And the pledged gold uh, category enabled them to, to they, they were able to use pledged gold, which is basically a piece of paper <laughs> that says, oh, you know, you have this gold in the vault, <laughs> you know, no verification, you know, no double checking. And so they're allowed to use this piece of paper to satisfy collateral requirements um, that, that go against a performance bond as a CME clearing member. So, um, and, and, you know, it's, it's, no, it's, it's no secret that HSBC has financial problems and what's going on in Hong Kong is gonna make it worse for them because they have a huge exposure to Hong Kong commercial real estate. Um, so it's, it's things like that. And then the, that fractional gold contract that allowed traders on the COMEX who stand for delivery uh, to, to have a fractional interest in a London 400 ounce gold bar instead of a COMEX 100 ounce gold bar. I mean, to me, that just screams there's, there's, a, there's an inventory problem on the COMEX. Yeah, and Dave, you also commented on this story that I think a lot of people were confused by. I really like the way you phrased it in your article because at 11, you know, we hear, you know, they couldn't get gold anywhere. And now somehow the New York gold traders are drowning in a glut they helped create. Um, could you share what your response to that was? Well, that, that's overt propaganda. I mean, first of all, why, how can you say there's a glut of gold? <laughs> in New York. I mean, you're going by a warehouse report and in all likelihood, a lot of the ounces that are being shown in that warehouse report are bars sitting in London that, that the COMEX is making a claim on as available for delivery in New York, right? So, um, but it, let's just say, uh, so there's, you know, now the COMEX vault has 26 million ounces, supposedly, right? That's up from 9 million at the end of March, you know, and, and we were told that, you know, because of the virus crisis, it's, it's, it's impossible to move gold bars around the world, right? That was the story we were, we were given, the line of cock and bull we were given, um, even though private jets were moving gold every day. And now all of a sudden there's a glut of physical gold that's been moved over to New York, you know, in a very short period of time, that's 400 tons. You know how long it took the United States to, to, to send 300 tons of gold back to Germany? It took like four years. So where's this gold coming from? Um, and if there was a glut of gold in New York, why isn't the price going down? Price has been going up. So I, I think that's, I think it's just a propaganda piece. I mean, the woman who wrote the article for Bloomberg clearly doesn't know how things work on the COMEX. She doesn't know how to do the analysis. There's, there's 510,000 paper contracts of open interest. That's 51 million ounces of gold. So let's say the 26 million is bona fide and not all that's available for delivery. You're gonna say that 26 million ounces against 51 million ounces of, of contract open interest is a glut? I'd still say that that's potentially a shortage. 
Now there's some other factors in there. Um, Ronan Manley wrote that awesome research piece where he dug up a letter that's, you can source it on the CME website where the CME, CME sent a letter to the CFTC. This is back when the uh, total amount of gold on the COMEX was 9 million ounces. And they said, you know, in our eligible category, probably 50% of it at least isn't available for delivery, right? And so if we use that 50% number and the, seven, and, and the eligible account is 17 million now, take, you know, haircut that by 50%, you're back down to 17 million ounces in eligible and in registered that, that could be available for delivery against a 51 million contract open interest. So that's not a glut by any definition. Yeah, and what was a little less surprising though was to see the news one day after that where bullion banks prepare CMA pullback after virus snarl. Um, gold bank trading banks preparing to significantly reduce their positions, which wonder makes me wonder who's going to still be short there. So what was your take on this one and uh, what HSBC, JP Morgan and UBS are up to now? Just another misdirection propaganda story. I mean, you know, I, I lay out the case in my blog post. You know, I don't understand how there's, you know, pull it, what does it mean that they're pulling back from the CME? Well, Scotia Makata closed down its operations in London and New York. So yeah, they pulled out and they, and they incurred a loss to do it. Um, and that, that's a, the Makata Bullion's been around for over 300 years and all of a sudden now they're closing. So, um, I mean, the only thing I can think of is that, you know, a few months ago, the open interest in contracts was over 800,000, and now it's around 500,000. But historically, the open interest on the COMEX is kind of, when I say historically, I mean, say, between 2001 and uh, 2019, the open interest kind of was ranging between you know, on average, say 200,000 and 400,000. And when it got up to like 500,000, that was a lot. I think it got, it might have gotten a nudge over 600,000 back in late 2010 or early 2011 when gold was making its run up to 1900. So, yeah, the COMEX market makers are, are collapsing their, their, their net and their gross short position. And that's what's, that's what's reduced the open interest from 800,000 to 500,000 contracts. But in the historical context, it's still at a, the, the open interest is at a much higher level, you know, than it ever, than it has been historically. So um, I, I don't know what they mean when they say they're pulling back. Yeah. So I, I it's just, you know, Bloomberg, Bloomberg historically has had very uh, biased, and misleading coverage of what goes on in the gold market. And uh, Reuters, that was a Reuters article. Reuters is mixed because they actually do report useful data that I, and the only reason I have access to it is this JB, JB's Gold Jottings subscription newsletter that I get that comes out three times a day and Reuters posts data on the Indian market that um, is, I think you have to have a subscription to Reuters to actually dig it up. So, um, you know, they, they do do some decent reporting. Most of their reporting that is bona fide seems to be coming from the Eastern Hemisphere. 
but they, a lot of times they just do hatchet jobs on gold. And I think that article is a hatchet job. <laughs> yep. Although fortunately there are a couple good folks out there doing some good reporting of which Craig Hemke is one of them. And he was writing here, as you know, is expecting a drop back closer to 10 to 12,000 contracts. The official, this is for the June COMEX gold contract delivery. Um, the official total is 47,000. Long-term average for delivery month, about 10,000. April was 26,000, 25,000. Um, from a starting point of 47,132, total deliveries in June will very likely exceed 50,000. Um, we haven't dug into that quite as much. I know it's not the easiest uh, thing to get transparency in, but are you seeing similar delivery numbers here and, and wondering where, I mean, from the way Craig phrases it, it's kind of like, gee, how is that one going to add up when that plays out? Curious your thoughts on that. Um, Craig's doing great work on, you know, keeping track and analyzing the data that's coming out of the COMEX. So, um, yeah, the 40, I think, I think, so when you are long a COMEX contract and you decide that you want to stand for delivery, what that means is, so there's a, there's a, a formal date called the first notice date, and that's the date by by which you can formally be noticed by the corresponding short side that it's going to deliver gold into in, your contract, right? So um, when you stand for delivery, you have to, you have to, ha your account has to be funded in an amount that will enable you to take delivery of a hundred ounce bar or however, you know, a hundred times how many contracts times the, times the contract price you know, that much gold. So, and, and if you, so the day before first notice, which was yesterday, um, if, if you are still long a COMEX contract and you're not funded for delivery, your, your brokerage account, your custodian will automatically liquidate your account. How do I know that? Because that happened to me once many years ago when I used to actively trade gold contracts. And, um, and the notices can actually start going out the evening before the formal first notice day. So the 47,000 contracts that were left open as of the close of yesterday, those are all accounts that potentially could take delivery of gold. Now you can, you can actually sell your contract before you're noticed and you know, it's no big deal, but on the, on the chance that you could get noticed the evening of, on the eve of first notice, you know, you have to be funded. So we don't know what's going to happen with those 47,000 contracts. And he, he mentioned, you know, you could see if they all stand for delivery, which I'm guessing most of them probably will, you can actually see a lot more than 50,000 contracts stand for delivery because um, just because a contract enters into its delivery period doesn't mean it, it can, you know, it stops trading. You can still buy or sell contracts. So, you know, you or I could decide, hey, man, I want a 100-ounce bar. You know, we go out and buy a contract this afternoon, um, making sure our account's funded for delivery. <coughs> and that'll increase the open interest. So it looks like, and I, it looks like 28,000 of those contracts 
got noticed last night. That's what this delivery report says. And I, I mean, I've had to triple and quadruple check it because I've never seen 28,000 contracts noticed on the on first notice day. So it, it'll be interesting. Now that, you know, that's, um, that's 2.8 million ounces of gold. So re in relation to what the COMEX is reporting as gold available for delivery, you know, that, that's not gonna, that shouldn't move the needle by very much. But if, if say over 50,000 contracts stand for delivery, I think, you know, especially if we're reading the tracks in the snow correctly, that, that could stress the COMEX and it could push the price of gold higher. I mean, you know, the, the, I forget what the number was in, in April that Craig referenced, 40 something thousand stood for delivery. Clearly that stressed the COMEX because then they had to take measures to make it look like it has a lot more gold than it probably really does. Yeah. And the, for the May contract, which is not a, a traditional delivery month, it's not a, a, a so-called front month, um, over 10,000 contracts stood for delivery. And I've, I've never seen anything remotely close to that for a, for a non-front month contract. So um, if, if the inventory report, the gold inventory report for the COMEX is even close to being bona fide, it looks like there's entities out there that wanna try and drain that gold because they, you know, they probably want delivery of the bars. And the next interesting setup will be to see, you know, if we ever find out how many of those entities wanted to load out the bars, meaning take the bars, remove the bars from the COMEX and move them to a different private vault away from the COMEX. That's where it could really get interesting. Yeah, and I, I keep trying to see if there's some way, if there's some other outcome. It seems to me almost inevitable. Again, the timing being the tricky part. Although uh, a few last quick ones for you, Dave. I have the chart because as everything you're talking about reminds me, what we saw not too long ago here was actually the day, the red line, that's March 23rd when HSBC was losing $200 million. Um, then we had March 24th, two market makers get blown out. You see gold was right under 1500. I always find it fascinating how the thing is just flat as a board and then when it moves. Um, but this is what was happening on those days where you had, and then you get up to almost 1700. And then I thought this was special where 1650 drops to 1580-ish back up to 1650. Um, I can only imagine the fireworks that were happening beneath the surface there. Again, uh, it would be nice, the Department of Justice, if they have an investigation ongoing and- No, nah, it'll never happen. Happening. Be nice if our tax uh, money that's being stolen and wasted, at least they could give us an update. But since we're not gonna hold out our breath for there, um, Dave, any thoughts on this chart here? I know we've talked about it before, but I just wanted to point this out in case you would like to comment further on what happened over those two days. I, who knows? I mean, there's obviously a lot of volatility going on there. And when you see volatility like that, extreme volatility like that, it, it reflects stress going on beneath the surface. So, I mean, beyond that, who knows? Yeah, and then when you add in all the other things you've just talked about for the last 15, 20 minutes, um, 
I don't, I don't know how much more of a final warning or we might get. Um, interesting, we're recording this as of Friday morning. I don't remember the last time I've seen a silver chart like this because we've seen times where silver spike up a quarter of 40 cents. But this also just, here it was, 1740, just a straight line up almost. Usually there's the, the smackdown somewhere before the end of the trading day. I guess we got an hour and a half left. We'll see. Um, but uh, if you go even a couple days farther back, some of the volatility, I mean, this, you know, yesterday was kind of tame, but here, you know, seeing 40 cent, there was 1720 down to 1680, then ends the day at 1730. Um, so again, I, I guess there's not really a question there, but just it's amazing seeing these things unfold. Um, so one of, one of the things that I think drives the, the high volatility, like we saw, as you point out, over the last couple days in gold and silver. So on Monday and Tuesday, or I mean, on Tuesday and Wednesday, we saw, a, 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 I mean, just a, a very aggressive effort to knock down the price of gold and silver. And historically, what usually happens is if there's a lot of contracts that are still open before first notice, there's a high correlation with the market getting slammed for a couple days. And that would be the banks trying to shake loose long positions. And that's, that's another feature that um, we've been seeing for, I don't know, last almost 12 months, but for sure the last six months, six to eight months, where the, 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 the paper smacks. And these, these, when I say paper smacks, typically, you'll see a, a fishing line drop in the price after the COMEX out, you know, the COMEX floor opens or, or formal COMEX hours start. And that's, that's the banks dumping contracts in there, trying to trigger stop losses with the, with the hedge funds to get them to unload their, their long positions. And then, the, you know, the banks have been shorting it all the way up. As the price goes down, they cover their shorts and they book trading profits. It's, it's, it's a wash, rinse, repeat process. But historically, those smackdowns can last, you know, they, you know, they keep the price of gold down for a couple of weeks, if not more. I mean, we're seeing the price bounce right back after these these intense manipulated price takedowns. Yep. And to me, that's just another indication that there's a problem at the COMEX, and it's probably connected to a shortage in real availability of gold bars that can be delivered. And I was kind of surprised because on as of Trading on Wednesday's trading showed 61,000 contracts open, still open. And I, that kind of raised my eyebrows because that's a lot of contracts um, two days before first notice. And I thought that the, that the price hits were going to, you know, cut the open interest in half at least. And then, you know, find out early this morning that it looks like there's, you know, 47,000 contracts still remaining. So the, 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 the longs that have decided to hold for delivery are, are much higher quality, stronger handed longs than we've seen historically on the COMEX. And, and that's sort of a difference in character in the open interest that's, that's developed, say, over the last six to eight months. 
Yep, it's it's stunning. Uh, last one before we wrap up here, Dave. I did see this. wasn't quite sure what to make of it. I figured if anyone knew, it would be Denver Dave Kranzler. See, U.S. imports record amount of gold from Switzerland as virus upends trade. What would your takeaway from this one be, and is that anything to dig further into? Um. I don't know. I mean, for me, when it comes to um, assertions about the physical gold market, I'd, I'd like to see second and third hand source verification. You know, did those bars really get shipped over here? Or was it the digital transfer of bars from London to New York? And that's, that's recorded as, as, a, as an import, um, you know? where are the bars going if 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 you know that amount of bars were shipped here i mean i i looked through the gold bar inventory at some of the national bullion dealers this morning and um there's still a lot of a lot of gold bar products that are out of stock now i will say um one of the dealers did have stock in a lot of gold bar products that it didn't have stock in last week so um, you know, I, you can't say that none of that gold made it over here. I think a lot of it probably could have, but for what purpose? So, um, you know, some of it, I think, is showing up in, in bullion dealer, or, you know, retail gold bullion dealer inventories. And some of it may well have gone to the COMEX. So, um, and and I you know again I think that there's an expectation on the COMEX that there's gonna they're gonna have to be they're gonna be held liable for a lot higher level of gold bar deliveries than they have been historically and that's what I think we're seeing now. Yeah, and perhaps one last thing that as you were saying that popped into my mind it just seems a little bit odd is that typically whenever a market starts heating up that's when everybody on Wall Street flocks to it. Yet here it's like, geez, this is what anyone in trading the gold and silver space has waited for, you know, since 2011. I'm always amazed when I see meet people who have been seeing what's happening and really getting it since the 80s. So it's like typically when you would expect the banks would be all over this, they're running for the hills. Dave, you really put the rest in context today. I appreciate that because there's a lot of stuff happening quickly. Um, it's hard to keep track of it all and also to know what to make of it. So, uh, I know a lot of people write in, I get their messages, see the comments. They really appreciate that you join me here each week. So I thank you for that. And perhaps just, uh, as a reminder, this is Dave's great website, investment research dynamics, where I would highly recommend you check out that Comex has big problems. You can find it right on the homepage and also Mining Stock Journal, new one out last night. Um, so go check it out, it's great stuff. Um, Did you read it, Chris? It's not yet, I don't, I don't read it on Thursday night. I got to it though, I get to them. I know you think that I don't, but I'm actually gonna be shopping for some options positions today, so I will be going through that shortly and see if I can keep myself out of trouble. Dave, thank you as always. We'll look forward to next week. And folks, uh, if you're curious any more about what we talked about there with what happened on March 23rd and March 24th, well, we did dig into that earlier this week with Andrew McGuire and really interesting comments. So if you'd like to see that, here it comes. The man.